it's been a while since I've been up here, so then I'm like, well, maybe not everybody knows. Well, people may know who I am, but exactly like some of the things that, that I do. So I'm going to just give you a really quick, uh, if you want to say a synopsis, a, a quick history lesson on some of the things that I've done um, professionally in my career. So um, the first slide just kind of shows, well, that was my first job, okay? So I was, well, first full-time job as a teacher, and I, I found that one. I'm like, oh, man, that was a lot of mess there. So, um, but anyway, I started off my teaching career when I was in Uniontown, and that was in August of 2005. And uh, my first year, I was excited. I, I was just thrilled to be a teacher. And um, in that first year, I taught a seventh grade math class. I taught computers, not in that classroom, but computers from grades four through eight. And I also taught PSSA prep classes for grades seven and eight. So I had a lot of different classes all in just that first year. Second year, I said, no, I got to get out of this because this is way too much. So there was an opening and I, and I moved over and then I taught uh, to the next classroom and I taught seventh grade English for six years, which happened to be my worst subject ever in school. But anyway, so I got to teach that for six years, which was a really cool experience because of what God was leading me through as a student and now that I was going to be a teacher for the next six years. So a lot of different things happened in the start of my career as I was in Uniontown. Um, and then we left. We, we moved from Uniontown in 2012. And we moved to Crescent, um, which is actually now where Jacob's Way is housed. So we, um, Bethany and I and Brindley, we lived um, where Jacob's Way was. And um, so, but while I was there, we can go to the next one. I started, I, I started substitute teaching. So that's kind of a, it's a dark one. It was real early in the morning. But anyway, um, I, I started substitute teaching. So that was kind of weird going from a teacher role as a full-time to then now going as a sub. And it was really cool because kids would try to do stuff. I'm like, listen, I was in a classroom for seven years. So anything that you're thinking of, I've already thought of it. And I've probably seen it. And I definitely already had that write-up already ready. So just, just think about what you're going to do before you do it. So that was a really cool experience, going back into the classroom as a sub. And then the following year, in the summer of 2013, I was hired as a full-time fourth-grade elementary teacher. So I went from a seventh-grade which is, those are fun individuals. This is junior high. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of things that, noises and stuff that comes out their body every direction. But anyway, it's just a really weird, it's a really weird, interesting group. And then I go to fourth grade, which I'm like, what in the world am I doing going into an elementary classroom? So as I was in the elementary classroom, I went and then I taught everything, or the core four, which was English, or English reading, math, science, and social studies. So I taught all those subjects except for their specials. That was my first year. And then I gave the idea to some administration. I'm like, well, hey, I think it'd be a really cool idea if we only had to teach, like, not everything, but if we broke up the responsibility. And I was talking to my fellow teachers, and they were like, well, we've always tried to do that, and no one ever wanted to listen. And then the administration was like, hey, I think we're going to try that. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is great. I already have a schedule. So um, what we did was is then we changed into a department, and we actually broke up our, our staff in half as the fourth grade teachers. And then I taught um, social studies and science for three years to fourth graders, which was a very fun experience 
And some of the things I can remember is when, when, when I felt like it was time to leave, I just, those things that jumped in my head, I remember I had this shark on my, on my uh, it was, well, it was a real shark, but it was just a small one. It was a gift, and it was on a shelf. And probably in the last, like, month or so before school let out, I accidentally knocked over that shark. And they were like, oh, my goodness, it's like formaldehyde. And they wanted to evacuate the whole building, and I'm like... <laughs> Uh, they're like, well, we know you wanted to leave, but you have to leave like that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So, but there's this fun experiences of working with the elementary. And then in um, August 1st, 2017, I was hired as a high school principal. And um, see, go Pirates. And, and, and that, that's, I, I love my job. I really do. But it just, my mind was blown. Like, oh, my goodness. I went from a fourth grade classroom. Now I'm responsible for 7 through 12 and oh my goodness, that, there's just a lot of, a lot of things that happen as a, as a high school principal. Uh, and I can't share everything here because I, I do love my job. So, um, but you know, some of the things I do is like overseeing staff and I oversee teachers. Um, I do get to work with the students and get to have some, uh, some interesting conversations, get to, to talk to them. Um, some of it's about school stuff. Uh, which is really exciting when you get to talk to kids and they get accepted into colleges. Um, like one of my students was talking about like they're getting scholarships to go to like a Division I school to play some athletics. And it's just you really get excited. That was some of the things that I had. And then sometimes it's not so good stuff. But, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are part of my responsibilities as, as a principal. And one of the things that... Um, or that's in my plate, or one of the things that I have to do is help oversee those lovely standardized tests. You know, like the PSSAs and the Keystones. And, you know, I know parents are like, why is my child taking them? I'm like, I don't really want to give them, but it's a state requirement of stuff that we have to do. So I, I decided to bring in some of my school stuff here um, to be able to share with you guys of what some of our, our students or our students across the state are actually working on in regards to this is the keystone. So we're gonna look, we're gonna do some we're gonna take we're gonna do a couple examples because I know like some of us are strong in some areas and not strong in others. Some of us are like I'm really excited that I'm out of school and I don't ever want to see another test again. So anyway, but guess what? I'm here so we get to have all this. So, so all right, it's kind of hard to see, but I'm gonna read it for you. Uh, this is an algebra one question. Okay, now let me tell you this. These are pulled off of line. These are all, like, so I did not like pull from the test. I'm not like secretly like, you know, got the answers. No, I don't have that. So anybody can access these. So I just pulled these offline. So algebra one question. It says a clothing company sells hats online to its customers. The price of each hat is P dollars. The shipping cost is S dollars. The equation shown below can be used to find the total cost C in dollars and N hats are purchased. C equals NP plus S. See, this is easy, right? Some of you saw Algebra 1. You were like, forget it. I'm done. That's all right. So it says, which equation can be used to find the price of each hat when five hats are purchased, the shipping cost is $6, and the total cost is $41? So A, B, C, or D? Anyone brave enough to yell something out? It's one of them. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. See, I wish that was like a, you know, I, I'm not really sure. All right, well, the correct answer is, it is letter C, okay? 
It's 41 equals 5p plus 6. Now, they give this long description. Like, you know, a student, here's what it says. It says 84% of the students that took that, uh, took, had that question actually got it correct. So 84%, that was good. All right, it says a student can determine the correct answer, option C, by replacing the variables in the given equation. And this long description of like, oh, this is why this is it. I'm like, oh, me, I like math. I'm like, oh, I, I figured that one out, which made me good, feel good because I could figure that out. Now, we're going to go on to another subject that's tested. That's biology. Yeah. This is just, look, it's a short question, too. It says, which property of water is most I love when we see these questions. As a teacher, like, you know, they take the word and they most, like, most, serious. Okay, so anyway, which property of water is most responsible for plants being able to transport water from their roots to their leaves? A, the attraction between molecules. B, a capacity to dissolve many substances. Um, C, the ability to form a low-density crystalline structure when frozen. Or D, a capacity to absorb large amounts of energy as temperature increases? The correct answer is A, the attraction between molecules. C, hey, if it makes you feel good, only 68% of students got that one correct. Because I'm looking at this, I'm like, what in the world? Here's the description, okay? Hydrogen bonds form between water molecules and capillary action draws the water up the roots and stem to leaves. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah, okay. Yeah, see, that's, what, that, that's some of the, the tough stuff, okay? All right, so we're in school. We've we're got one more keystone for us. This is literature. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I shortened this one because I'm like, now this was my worst subject ever as a student. Like, when I was a senior, I was like, they said, you passed? I'm like, thank God, because I don't know what my grades were. I didn't even want to look. It was, I struggled with literature that much. But all right, it says, read the sentence from the passage. Under this great archway, then against one of these doors, his big paws just inside the shadow line. For it was not winter, but a brilliant summer morning. The grass all dusted with powdered diamonds, the sky a turquoise, the air a joy. Under this archway, I saw, or I say, sat a big St. Bernard dog, squat on his haunches, his head well up like a guard. All right, what is the effect... The, the question's at the bottom, and then I'll give you the answers on the next page. It says, what is the effect of the imagery used to describe this scene? So, our options. A, it conveys the apprehension that the narrator feels upon approaching the large animal. B, it foreshadows the events that will unfold in the same location later in the passage. C, it implies that the scene would not look and feel very different at another time of year. Or D, it adds a sense of grandness and majesty to an otherwise simple scene. Good job. Most of you guys got that one right. All right it is letter D. I know. See? You know, and I think I told you guys that before. Like, whenever I was in, whenever I was in school, I had an older cousin, which probably wasn't the best example. It was like, you know, just guess. It was the abacadabra. Okay? It was the A-B-B-A-C-A-D-A-B-B-A. -A -A -A. Like, do that on all of them. And I'm like, I had to think about that. And I was like... Oh, that makes sense. Okay, if you're a student, please do not do abacadabra on your test, even though I may have made a test when I was a teacher that had those answers. So the things there is that, you know, it's like all this focus on all of these things, all right, and why are they important? So if we go to the next one, um, 
You know, that's one thing that we don't have is a history quest. Or we don't have history questions, we don't have a history test. So here's a history question for us. <clears throat> what was the name of the royal who saved their people, therefore changing an entire nation in approximately 460 B.C.? Was it A, King David, B, Queen Elizabeth, C, King Henry VIII, or D, Queen Esther? I'll watch a lot. Okay, the answer is D. It was Queen Esther. So if you see if you got that right, good for you. That's some Bible knowledge right there too. So, all right. So, but people may ask, why is it important to know history? Okay, like in some of my certifications that I had to take as a as an aspiring teacher, you know, I was able to get a middle school math and a middle school English. But I struggled on the history and science because those are very difficult and very specific dates. But People may ask, why is it important to know history? We can look at the other subjects, like math, for example. So I was looking up some of the things that you could get as a job by knowing some math. So there's a cryptographer, which I was like, what in the world is it? I need an English to be able to understand what a cryptographer is, but that's someone that can break codes. Um, a mathematician, an economist, a financial planner, an investment analyst, a statistician, um, an accountant, an operations research analyst, all of these things. So if you're really good in math, hey, these jobs are for you. How about if we look at another subject? How about looking at biology? So you could be a biochemist, a genetic counselor, which I'm really thinking, like genetic, you're counseling genetic. Okay, so um, a health communication specialist, a health educator, a pharmaceutical or medical product sales rep, a physician's assistant or nurse practitioner, if you are good in the subject of biology. Okay, so, all right. I'll say this. All of my students that I have in school, we try to figure out what's the best for them. Some of them, they may go towards some of these fields. They might be really good in sciences, and we push them. Some of them are good in the math area, and we try to push them that way. And then some might even be good in the English, and these are some of the things that English, an English job that you may get because you like English. This first one I, I liked. I was like, oh, a social media manager. I'm guessing the one that manages social media or what's out there. A technical writer, a public relations specialist, a lawyer, a grant writer, a librarian, a human resources specialist, or an editor and content manager. So there's all of these things that are really good if you are if you're good in these subjects that hey, this would line up for you as a job. But why is it important to know history? I have a quote here from uh, Maya Angelou, that says, I have great respect for the past. If you don't know where you've come from, you don't know where you're going. So even as a teacher, when I started teaching, I'm realizing, you know what? There's something very, very important about history. Because history, my history has helped set the foundation of where I am today. Because even before I was, um, a, or, uh, before I was a seventh grade math teacher, I had the ability to be a tutor, to be after school in summer, and then I was even working for an engin a civil engineer um, pretty much all four years of college. There was all of these things that I was exposed to, but they helped lay the foundation of where I am today. <clears throat> so back to the history question, we're going to look really quick at Esther. Now one of the I've seen famous quotes from Esther would be what? 
I heard some people say it, for such a time as this. Okay, and it's like you hear it all for such a time as this, for such a time as this, but what does this really mean? Um, now, in the verse of, uh, where it can be found in the Bible is in, in 414 of Esther. It says, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will rise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal, royal position for such a time as this. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole book of Esther, which I... I could because that's like there's an there's amazing things to see what God is doing through the book of Esther, through Esther, through Mordecai. But I'm going to give you just a, a brief overview of what happened. There was a Jewish man named Mordecai. Okay, Mordecai, he took in Esther and raised her as his own daughter after Esther's parents passed away. Mordecai was a family member to Esther. When Esther was crowned queen, or she was crowned queen by King Xerxes after Queen Vashti made him upset and embarrassed him because and Esther found favor with King Xerxes, okay? So, this all makes sense, trust me. Um, but sometime after Esther was, was crowned queen, crown, crown, that's really fun, crowned queen. After, after Esther was crowned queen, Mordecai overheard a plot that someone wanted to kill the king. He told Esther, Esther told the king and said that this is from Mordecai. It was great. It was found out those guys, well, they died. But anyway, but then they never did anything to honor Mordecai. <clears throat> After this, later in the future, which this is a really easy read, guys. So I would encourage you to go through the book of Esther. But where we're going today is that I did not have, we don't have that much time to be able to go through everything. But there was a, there was a man named Haman. And he was promoted within King Xerxes' kingdom. Okay, Mordecai did not respect this man because Haman was an Amalekite. Okay, and that, that was were enemies of the Jewish people. So, but instead of just punishing Mordecai for not bowing down, Haman said, I want to take out all of the Jews. Every single one of these Jews are going to die because of Haman will not bow down to me. Now, Mordecai, he bowed down to other people. He just would not bow down to Haman. <clears throat> so when there was, there was an announcement that was made that all of the Jews within the kingdom were going to be destroyed, Mordecai approached Queen Esther and then said this, for such a time as this, you were put in your place to stand up and do something. You know, this tidbit of history is important because Queen Esther grabbed the hold of this truth. She grabbed a hold of the truth that there was such a time as this, she was in her place to do something, and she did. The, the situation was dire, and something had to be done. Like I said, I encourage you to, to go through it, because to realize of everything that God was doing, even in that small book of Esther. And if we fast forward about 500 years, and we get into the future, going 500 years in the future, and we're looking at when Jesus was walking this earth with his disciple, the truth was still ringing out, but for such a time as this. Now, I'm going to, I am going to pull some stuff from Ed's message last week because we weren't, like I said, we weren't here. We were watching it live, and then I was listening to it again, and it was just, I, I feel like everything that he was saying was leading into where God was already leading me a week before. So, last week, Ed was talking about a four-letter word, and that four-letter word was give. And what did Christ give? 
in Ephesians 4, 11, 12, so Christ gave himself, or so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. There was a reason that Christ gave us these people, and that is to equip his people for works of service. <clears throat> Excuse me. We talked about how that wasn't just meant for Jesus' time on earth, but this continues today. Okay, so these five positions, if you want to say, were given for what? To mend, restore, strengthen, empower, motivate, build, grow, stabilize, inspire, and to move people. So all of this was done for a reason. It was, and I'm not going to preach all Ed's messages. I'm just letting you know that. But there were some things that I felt like I want to marry together because you have, we have to understand that for such a time as this is why God put us here and what our story that he's already been working on. And so then how can we do all of these? How can we do all of these mending, restoring, strengthening? So I just want to let you know, even when I was listening to this, in my mind, I knew that God was calling me for such a time as this, but I realized that this is some of the things that he wants us to do, but I was getting overwhelmed myself, even sitting in my kitchen, just listening to this. Because in order to do all of this, we have to love God and love people. We have to pray, love, and speak truth. We have to increase our Bible quotient, our, our BQ. I'm being honest. I grew up in the church my, my whole life. I've I've, I've been, ex I, I praise God for that, but I've been to also multiple churches. But this, all of this information was still overwhelming because I asked myself this question, <clears throat> who am I to do all of this? Who am I to do all of this? Because that is a very overwhelming to, to think of mending. Like I am called here, we are called here to mend, restore, strengthen, empower and motivate and build and grow and stabilize and inspire and move people. That can be very overwhelming. The questions came up in my head. Do you know what's in my closet? Do you know what's in my past? Do you know all the mistakes I made? Do you know how many times I dropped the ball? You know, thinking of like the, the Super Bowl coming up next, next week and, and like those guys... Those men, they've worked so hard to be able to get to where they are right now. And yes, I am a Steelers fan, and I think of all the games I've watched and how many times they just drop the ball, like just catch the ball. And there's times in my life that I've dropped the ball, that I was supposed to do something and, I, oh, I dropped it. Or I, I messed up on something or I forgot something. And then I think of all these questions of saying, who am I to do all of this which God has called me to? Let's go back to that Ephesians 4 uh, verse. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the, the body of Christ may be built up. And God led me to this of, well, let's look at the apostles. When you get overwhelmed at yourself, and I know that Ed said, sometimes it's easier to look at other people's sin, which is true. It's easier to look at other people's sin and say, oh, how terrible they're doing and makes us feel better but honestly I just was I felt like God was taking me through because over the last I feel like month or so maybe two months God has just been taking me through the gospels and looking at of, of his story of going through Matthew Mark and right now I'm in Luke of going through of his story while he was on this earth and, and his disciples that were following him 
So when I look up the apostles, um, I just typed it in Google. I said apostles, define, and it said each of the 12 chief disciples of Jesus Christ. And then it said one sent on a mission from Merriam-Webster. So these apostles were the disciples of Jesus Christ. They were the ones that saw him and that followed after him. So let's look at this list of the original 12. Simon, also known as Peter. We have Andrew and James and John and Matthew, also called Levi. We have Philip, um, Bartholomew or Nathaniel. We have Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, um, Simon the Zealot, Judas. It's also Thaddeus, and then we also have Judas Iscariot. So we have these 12 followers of Christ, of the Christ. <clears throat> and sometimes we look at this list and we think, oh, that's a bunch of superheroes. Like, you know, this is, this is the team right here. Like, this is the best. This is everybody that God put together. I mean, he picked all stars you know, he was like, hey, I want, yeah, I want this, I want this, yeah, you're great, you're awesome. Yeah, no, that's not what happened. So um, the thing is, is that even though these all-stars or these superheroes, they had their issues too. But then we look at like who these guys really were. So they were fishermen, they were brothers, maybe that's a good thing, maybe not. I don't have a brother, but I hear about some of the brother stories and you know, well, when Ed talks about the story of trying to jump over the, um, the menorah, yeah, that, see, that's, yeah, I'm glad I didn't have a brother. Uh, Sons of Thunder, and it really wasn't like a, um, hey, yeah, Sons of Thunder, uh, those guys, they talked a lot. Um, you know, if you were a zealot or a tax collector, and then you see these guys that they were jealous and, and envious of each other. Um, they, they denied Christ three times. They walked with him and denied him. They betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. They despised him from the beginning. And they doubted Christ's resurrection. So if we're looking a little bit more specific, you know, Peter, he was very outspoken. And he, was, he denied Jesus three times. Um, Matthew was a tax collector. Judas Iscariot, he's the one that betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Um, Bartholomew, he's the one that said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? These are the ones that are following, like, Jesus and I think of like, man, I don't know if I'm good enough. Well, I mean, I didn't say, hey, does anything good come out of Nazareth? It's like, so, I mean, just their mindset was already, was already messed up from the beginning. They argued among each other of who was the greatest. James and John asked Jesus if they can sit on either side of him in his glory. Like, life is going on. People are getting healed. Um, people are, are being freed from, from demon possessions. And you're saying, hey. Can we sit on either side of you when you come to glory? Like, wow. And Thomas doubted that Jesus rose from the dead. So I feel like if you know, if God can use a ragtag bunch of guys and make them into his apostles, do you think he can use us to continue his work 2,000 years later? In Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19, the spirit of the Lord is on me. This was Jesus. Jesus was saying this. It just amazes me. It's Jesus like picked up the scrolls and he says, he picks it up and says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And as I'm reading through this and God put this on my heart, 
We are the poor. Without Christ, we are the poor. We are the prisoners. We are the blind. We are the oppressed. It wasn't that Jesus called this all-star team that everybody was perfect. He knew exactly who he was calling. He was the one that would sit and hang out with the sit out sit and hang out with the tax collectors and have dinner with them. And everybody's mad. Why are you having dinner with the tax collectors? <laughs> because they're the ones that are blind. They're the ones that are poor. Those are the ones that are the prisoners. And he came to set us free. Because he came for such a time as this. You have been prepared. And you are continually being prepared for this moment in time. You have been prepared and you are continually being prepared for a moment such as this. I'm telling you this, I definitely do not have all the answers. I'm, I'm glad that I have a wife that loves God and loves people. And sometimes she looks at me and says, grabs me by my face. Because not too many people see me eye to eye. So she's grabbing me by my face and saying, you can do this. You are supposed to be there. You are doing what you are supposed to be doing. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And I think all of us, whether it's a job, whether it's our families, whether it's our, our social interactions, whether it's our neighbors, keep going. Keep going. Keep doing what God has wanted us to do because he has prepared us. He is putting us in that situation. <clears throat> if we're going to be active in mending, restoring, strengthening, empowering, motivating, building, growing, stabilizing, inspiring, and moving people, <clears throat> then we need to love God and we love people. I think it's, sometimes I feel like it's easy. Well, I say for me, maybe it's easy to love God. Sometimes we think some things happen in our lives and it's like, God, it's your fault. But I think sometimes, you know, hey, it's easy. I mean, God, he's the creator. He made everything. Wow, he's awesome. Like, he's given me a family. He's given me friends. He's given me a job. Like, oh, God, it's awesome. I mean, I felt like we could have kept going on with the testimonies that are given because it's just proof of how great God is. But sometimes loving people is a little bit difficult. Sometimes it's very difficult. But we're not called to be lone rangers. You know, we are called to do this thing called life. We're called to do it together. Hey, look around you. Take a second to look around. <clears throat> Maybe you came with family. Maybe you came with friends. Maybe you're here by yourself. But if you look around this room, there's more than just me in this room because that'd be really weird if I'm standing here just talking to myself. You're not alone. You are not alone. We are not to be doing this thing called life just all by ourselves. I was reminded this week, I had a lot of reminders this week. It's always one of those things, like whenever preparing for a message, I feel like that's why I was sick last Sunday. Like everything and anything, things go like just backwards, like... Even getting, like, my car inspected, like, things that were, like, there was just, like, what, this doesn't even make sense. Like, there was just multiple things that happened, whether personally and professionally, 
And it was just like, God, I know that you're preparing me to do your will. But the thing is, is that God is reminding me as well that I am not to be doing this life all by myself. This doesn't mean that I don't have a part in my job or my life. It just means that I need people to come alongside me, inside and outside of my workplace, to love on me and for me to love on as well. We need that. We need that new life. We need those people that we can love on as well. When, when Jesus was, uh, before I even get there, like Arlene, I was thinking about the testimony that you gave. Ah, that's amazing. That's exciting because like we came here in 2012 as well and just hearing the, and I remember coming in on Sunday nights and seeing you talk yeah. to Pastor Ed. It's amazing just seeing your kids come and grandkids and great, I mean, it's just amazing to see what God's doing. And, and it's amazing that God is using you to work with your family and, and continue to be with your family. And, but like I was going to say is though that Jesus, his goal was is not for us to be alone. When he sent out the 72, he sent them out in pairs. So in Luke 10, it says that after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He sees the importance. I mean, it's Jesus. Hopefully, like he sees the importance of going two by two. He sees the importance of being there. In Proverbs seventeen seventeen, it says, "A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity." We are supposed to be here with each other and for each other. I was also reminded this week of some of these things. So this is like it's literally like. Every morning, me reading, me studying, me thinking, me praying. I know I'm saying me a lot, but like it was this, this interaction that I had with God. And almost every day there was something else that God was revealing. So the next one was this. So as we're supposed to be praying, loving, and speaking truth, the truth needs spoken into your life, even if you're the one doing it. So yes, we need other people, but sometimes we need to speak, we need to have this truth spoken into our lives and we need to be able to speak in other people as well sometimes we got to be the one look in the mirror and saying you are exactly where God wants you or if you say hey God is telling me to move I need to be obedient and I need to speak that truth John 8 31 32 it says to the Jews who had had believed him Jesus said if you hold on to my teaching you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. Come on out. <clears throat> One, as I was going through this, it was, it was, it was those things. It was uh, God says, know your history, but don't live in it. You've got to know your history, but do not live in it. We should learn from our history. We've got to learn. You know what? I learned from what was in my closet, but I'm not choosing to be there. I'm, I'm right here right now. Because God is telling me that I can know the truth and the truth will set me free. That truth, that truth has power. We have to make sure we know his truth because the enemy will try to derail us. I promise. The enemy will try to derail us and tear us down. I thank, God for, I thank God for his protection this week, and I felt the enemy multiple times trying to derail. Even this morning, I told Bethany, I said, man, like right here in my stomach, I got it from the table, and I'm like, what is this? Oh. 
I'm like, because I'll get, and Bethany could probably confess, like, I get pimples because, you know, I'm like 37, and now is what, what a great time to get them. And I'll get them in the most random places, and I'm like, oh, are you serious? I'm like, oh, it's a stomach pain. I'm like, oh, no, this is probably a pimple. It is, oh, so, and it's like, oh, it's probably some kind of ingrown hair. I don't know what it is, but it's just things like every single time there's something. It just feels like, you know what, you're trying to do what's right. The enemy is going to try to derail you. You try to do what's right, the enemy's going to try to derail you. He's not going to stop. Because if you're doing what God wants you to do, he's going to try to get in the way. The enemy does not want us to be mending, restoring, strengthening, empowering, motivating, building, growing, stabilizing, and inspiring and moving people. And I'm telling, I'm telling us that he will try to derail us. So be careful on what truths you want to hold on to. Have, hold on to that truth that you are a child of the, of the one true God. And some of that stuff that we go over on Wednesday night with the kids, it's like, yeah, God, he is the one true God. He is the only living one true God. And he loves us so much. So speak the truth. Last one. Uh, it says about increasing our Bible quotient. I'm going to, and this is all like, I'm just telling us, it's like, these are things that God has been leading me, even through looking at his scriptures. Asking questions and inquiring builds understanding. Ask, 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 ask questions. If you're not sure, if you're not sure, if what the truth is, then you need to ask. Ask someone spiritually mature. Look in the Bible. Ask God, God, what are you saying this? Are you saying this for my life? Is this really what you want me to do? You know, and I said before, when we were up at Penn Cambria, and God was like, ah, I need you to leave. And I'm like, okay, are you sure? Okay, are you sure? Wait, what? Are you sure? You know, it's those questions that ask because I want to make sure that I am hearing God. Because then when I have people ask me that says, wait, are you sure you want to leave this job? And I say, yeah, I'm sure. Where are you going? I have no idea. And the thing is, is but I have to be sure of, of the one that's calling me. So ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. Um, and I know this is one of those things. I, kids, we love, we love kids. See all the kids that are out there. But, you know, kids ask a lot of questions sometimes. Sometimes they ask a lot, a, a, way too many questions, it seems like. You know, Ariana, I love my, oh, my lovely three-year-old who will be four next month. She asked some questions. I, I, the example, I ran into the bathroom and right before, right before um, Ed was praying and, you know, took her into the bathroom and, and then she's asking all these questions and I'm like, are you done yet? Like, come on. Like, I don't really want to answer some of these questions. And, and um, she's really good at, like, we'll watch a movie. And she's asking questions. And I'm like, Ariana, I think you've seen this movie, like, ten times. And you're asking me the questions. Like, you know what's going to happen. Why are you asking questions? Or, like, it's a movie that I never even saw. And she's like, I don't know. So I do love it whenever we see a movie that none of us saw. I don't know what's happening. So, but the thing is, is that asking questions. And why do you ask questions? To learn. You ask questions to know. 
you ask questions so that you can have a better understanding of something. <clears throat> Kids ask questions so they can learn. That's how they learn, is by asking questions. That's how they learn. That's how we as adults should be learning as well, but we need to make sure we ask questions. The disciples, <laughs> they ask a lot of questions. If you actually take the time just to read, Honestly, just going through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just looking at some of the things that Jesus would preach, or he would talk about a parable later on, the disciples go, Hey, Jesus, what were you talking about there? I wasn't sure about that. And there's multiple times that the disciples, the followers of the Christ, were asking questions because they didn't know. So I'll tell you this, we don't have to know at all, but we have to be willing to ask some questions. Matthew 7, 7 or 8, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Here's a math equation for you. Asking plus listening equals a build, it builds your understanding. It's okay. Some of us like to just ask questions which I will not expose any children that I've worked with that has asked questions and don't wait to listen to the answer. And it's like, oh, and some of us have probably had that as parents. You know, someone asks you a question and then they're on to the next one. It's like, let me talk. I got to tell you what so you know how to do the next step. But the thing is, is that when you ask and you listen, you're going to build your understanding of where you are and what you're supposed to be doing. Ladies and gentlemen, I really believe that God's word was not written just for hundreds of years ago, but it's for today as well. For just a time as this, I know that I'm not alone on my journey, and I'm not just saying that because I'm married to, to Bethany, and that I have Brindley, and I have Ariana, and I have my parents, and I have my, my in-laws. I'm not just saying that because I'm, but I'm saying that for such a time as this, I don't know where you are in life. I don't know where you are in your job. I don't know where you are in, in your family. I don't know where you are among your peers. But I truly believe that God is calling you for such a time as this. Sometimes we just have to stop and look around and say, God, what do you want me to do here? What are you calling me to do here? And this is not just if you're an adult. Um, if you're in school, you're in college, high school, junior high, elementary. What is God calling you to do right now? And are you willing to listen? Like I said, whenever I was listening to Ed's message, and I told him on Monday because we were... Um, he was helping me get some pellets. I said, hey, that was really good stuff. And I was like, I'm glad you, and I was like, I was nice that I could keep rewinding. Oop, missed that. Oop, rewind. I can't write fast enough. And, and it was really nice to be able to do that. But I, I just felt this overwhelming that God was just telling me, go back to it. Because when you're thinking about, like, I think of these people, these five, the apostles, um, the prophets, the pastors, like, Oh, how am I ever going to do that? And God's showing me, look, I'm going to show you who my apostles were. The ones that started it. And they were not the, the all-stars. But they were obedient. It took some time. 
but they were obedient and they did what he wanted them to do. Guys, I think of this as Ed was talking about looking at the, uh, the obituaries. Life is short and I'm not, and I don't want to be driven by fear, but I want to be motivated by the one who put me here. I pray that all of us this week, we would, we would come closer to God and we would know what he is calling us to do. It may be scary. Bethany reminds me, she says, you know we moved to Crescent and we had um, less than a one-year-old and we had no insurance at all. I'm like, yeah, I remember. <laughs> that was a scary year. Because I was just thinking like, oh, well, what if something, what if, what if, what if God did show up and he did? God will use your past and he will remind you. Sometimes we need that reminder of like, God, I know you, who you are, and I'll thank you for taking me through what you've taken me through. But where am I today and what am I supposed to be doing for such a time as this? Please stand with me. Lord, you're amazing. And... Um, God, I know that even the, the song, even just about awakening my soul, and God, I know that you've awakened us. God, I know that you have called us for such a time as this. This is not an accident that we are joined together as this body on this Sunday in January, right here in East Freedom. God, even the ones that are online that are being able to watch, it's not by chance. It's only by you. God, I pray for your spirit to move through new life. And I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about a people. A people that are called to do amazing things. Whether it's working in the health profession, whether it's working with counseling. God, whether it's... God, there's just so much that you brought this body together. Help us to not walk around with blinders and act like, well, I'm just going to go through one day at a time and who cares, I'm just getting through this life. But God, help us. I pray that you would open our eyes to see what you are calling us to. God, use your body. Thank you for your sacrifice, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your teaching, God. And I pray that your word would be true to us every single day. I love you, Father. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great day.